Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick, on Twitter, Gratitude underscore Chick, and on TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Hello everyone. In today's episode, we are going to be um, catching up on where we left off on Florence Scovelshin's book, The Game of Life and How to Play It. So we are on chapter number five, The Law of Karma and the Law of Forgiveness. As a reminder, I will be reading and Um, I'll also probably give some commentary that's my opinion and my opinion alone. You are free to disagree. Um, But just remember, it's just my opinion. That's all. Man receives only that which he gives. The game of life is a game of boomerangs. Man's thoughts, deeds, and words return to him sooner or later with astounding accuracy. Now, I'm just going to pause right here because I'm also doing a series called Manifesting with the Bible. And one of the scriptures that I I probably am going to use is the one that tells us that the God's word does not return to him void, but does what he sent it to accomplish it to do. And because we are made in his image, our word will not return to us void as well. And again, as she says, man's thoughts, deeds, and words return to him sooner or later with astounding accuracy. So that simply says what you are speaking, what you are thinking, you're putting out there. And like a boomerang, it's going out to find every instance of what you are thinking and what you are feeling and what you are speaking to bring back to you into your life. Be mindful of that. This is the law of karma, which is Sanskrit for come back. Whatever, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's from the Bible. For example, a friend told me this story of herself illustrating the law. She said, I make all my karma on my aunt. Whatever I say to her, someone says to me. I am often irritable at home and one day said to my aunt, who was talking to me during dinner, no more talk, I wish to eat in peace. (laughs) The following day I was lunching with a woman with whom I wished to make a great impression. I was talking animatedly when she said no more talk, I wish to eat in peace. My friend is high in consciousness so her karma returns much more quickly than to one on the mem- uh, mental plane. The more man knows, the more he is responsible for. And the person with the knowledge of spiritual law, which he does not practice, suffers greatly in consequence. The fear of the Lord, parenthesis law, is the beginning of wisdom. If we read the word Lord, law 
it will make many passages in the Bible much clearer. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Law in parenthesis. It is the law which takes vengeance, not God. God sees man perfect, created in his own image, imagination, and given power and dominion. This is the perfect idea of man registered in divine mind, awaiting man's recognition. For man can only be what he sees himself to be, and only attain what he sees himself attaining. Nothing ever happens without an onlooker is an accident is an ancient saying. Man sees first his failure or success, his joy or sorrow, before it swings into visibility from the scene set in his own imagination. We have observed this in the mother picturing disease for her child or a woman seeing success for her husband. Jesus Christ said, and we shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So we see freedom, parenthesis, from all unhappy conditions comes from knowledge, a knowledge of spiritual law. Obedience precedes authority, and the law obeys man when he obeys the law. The law of electricity must be obeyed before it becomes man's servant. When handled ignorantly, it becomes man's deadly foe. So with the law so with the laws of mind. For example, a woman with a strong personal will wish she owned a house which belonged to an acquaintance, and she often made mental pictures of herself living in the house. In the course of time, the man died, and, and she moved into the house. Several years afterwards, coming into the knowledge of spiritual law, she said to me, Do you think I had anything to do with that man's death? I replied, Yes. Your desire was so strong. Everything made way for it, but you paid your karmic debt. Your husband, whom you loved, devotedly died soon after and the house was a white elephant on your husband for years I mean on your hands for years now I I don't necessarily believe that I don't believe that there's anything that I can do um, outside of you know physically harming someone to take their life I don't think I can wish someone dead I think the giver of life is also the bringer of death. So it, I, I don't think death and life um, for others are in my hands. That's kind of witchy for me, but I, I just don't believe that I can um, cause anyone death I, without you know actually physically going to kill them. So I think that when I don't know. It, it, I guess it depends on how she believes. I don't believe I could sit and wish for someone's home and then the person dies and it's my fault that they died. I, I don't believe it. But, you know, again, everyone has different beliefs. The original owner, however, could not have been affected by her thoughts had he been positive in the truth nor her husband, but they were both under karmic law. Uh, The woman should have said, feeling the great desire for the house, infinite intelligence, give me the right house equally as charming as this, the house which is mine by divine right. The divine selection would have given given perfect satisfaction and brought good to all. The divine pattern is the only safe pattern to work by. 
Desire is a tremendous force and must be directed in the right channels or chaos sues. And demonstrating the most important step is the first step to ask a right. Man should always demand only that which is his by divine right. To go back to the illustration, had the woman taken this attitude, if this house I desire is mine, I cannot lose it. If it is not, give me its equivalent. The man might have decided to move out harmoniously had it been the divine selection for her or another house would have been substituted. So I personally believe that what is meant to be for me is for me. And I don't believe that what's meant to be mine will harm another. It seems outside of the scope of who God is and the universe he created. So I don't believe that anything that is meant for me will harm another. So this is where she and I differ. Anything forced into manifestation through personal will is always ill-got and has ever bad success. Okay, I see where she's going with this. Man is admonished, my will be done, not thine. And the curious thing is, man always gets just what he desires when he does relinquish personal will, thereby enabling an infinite, infinite intelligence to work through him. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord, in parenthesis law. For example, a woman came to me in great distress. Her daughter had determined to take a very hazardous trip, and the mother was filled with fear. She said she had used every argument and pointed out the dangers to be encountered and forbidden her to go, but the daughter became more and more rebellious and determined. I said to the mother, you are forcing your, person you are forcing your personal will upon your daughter, which you have no right to do, and your fear of the trip is only attracting it, for man attracts what he, fe what he fears. I added, let go and take your mental hands off, put it in God's hands, and use this statement. I put this situation in the hands of infinite love and wisdom. If this trip is the divine plan, I bless it and, not, and no longer resist. But if it is not divinely planned, I give thanks that it is now dissolved and dissipated. A day or two later, a day or two after that, her daughter said to her, Mother, I have given up the trip and the situation returned to its native nothingness. It is learning to stand still, which seems so difficult for man. I have dealt more fully with the law in the, in the chapter on non-resistance. I will give another example of sowing and reaping, which came in the most curious way. A woman came to me saying she had received a counterfeit $20 bill given to her at the bank. She was much disturbed, for she said, the people at the bank will never acknowledge their mistake. I replied, let us analyze the situation and find out why you attracted it. She thought a few minutes, um, a few moments and exclaimed, I know it. I sent a friend a lot of stage money just for a joke. So the law has sent her some stage money for it doesn't know anything about jokes. I said, now we will call on the law of forgiveness and neutralize this situation. Christianity is founded upon the law of forgiveness. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the karmic law, and the Christ within each man is his redeemer and salvation from all in harmonious conditions. So I said, infinite spirit, we call on the law of forgiveness 
and give thanks that she is under grace and not under law and cannot lose this $20, which is hers by divine right. Now, I said, go back to the bank and tell them fearlessly that it was given you there by mistake. She obeyed, and to her surprise, they apologized and gave her another bill, treating her most courteously. So knowledge of the law gives man power to rub out his, his mistakes. Man cannot force the external to be what he is not. If he desires riches, he must be rich in consciousness first. For example, a woman came to me asking treatment for a prosperity. She did not take much interest in her household affairs, and her home was in great disorder. I said to her, if you wish to be rich, you must be orderly. All men with great wealth are orderly, and order is heaven's first law. I added, you will never become rich with a burnt match and the pincushion. She had a good sense of humor and commenced immediately putting her house in order. She rearranged furniture, straightened out bureau drawers, cleaned rugs, and soon made a big financial demonstration, a gift from a relative. The woman herself became made over and keeps herself keyed up financially by giving ever by being ever watchful of the external and expecting prosperity, knowing God is her supply. Many people are in ignorance of the fact that gifts and things are investments and that hoarding and saving invariably lead to loss. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than its meat, but it tendeth to poverty. For example, I knew a man who wanted to buy a fur-lined overcoat. He and his wife went to various shops, but there was none he wanted. He said they were all too cheap-looking. At last he was shown one, the salesman said, was valued at a few at a thousand dollars, but which the manager would sell him for five hundred dollars, as it was late in the season. His financial possessions amounted to, to about seven hundred dollars. The reasoning mind would have said you can't afford to spend nearly all you have on a coat. But he was very intuitive and never reasoned. He turned to his wife and said, If I get this coat, I'll make a ton of money. So his wife consented weakly. About a month later, he received a $10,000 commission. The coat made him feel so rich, it linked him with success and prosperity. Without the coat, he would not have received the commission. It was an investment paying large dividends. If man ignores these leadings to spend or to give, the amount, the same amount of money will go in an uninteresting or unhappy way. For example, a woman told me on Thanksgiving Day, she informed her family that they could not afford a Thanksgiving dinner. She had the money but decided to save it. A few days later, someone entered her room and took from the bureau drawer the exact amount the dinner would have cost. The law always stands back of the man who spends fearlessly with wisdom. For example, one of my students who was shopping with his little nephew the child clamored for a toy which she told him she could not afford to buy. She realized suddenly that she was seeking lack and not recognizing God as her supply. So, so she bought the toy and on her way home picked up in the street the exact amount of money she had paid for it. Man's supply is inexhaustible and unfailing when fully trusted, but faith or trust must precede the demonstration. According to your faith, be it unto you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
for faith holds the vision steady and the adverse pictures are dissolved and dissipated and in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Jesus Christ brought the good news, the gospel, that there was a higher law than the law of karma and that the law transcends the law of karma. It is the law of grace or forgiveness. It is the law which frees man from the law of cause and effect, the law of consequence, under grace and not under law. We are told that on this plane, man reaps where he has not sown. The gifts of God are simply poured out upon him. All that the kingdom affords is his. This continued state of bliss awaits the man who has overcome the race or world thought. In the world thought, there is tribulation, but Jesus Christ said, Be of, of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The world thought is that of sin, sickness, and death. He saw their absolute unreality and said sickness and sorrow shall pass away and death itself, the last enemy, enemy be overcome. We know now from a scientific standpoint that death could be overcome by stamping the subconscious mind with the conviction of eternal youth and eternal life. The subconscious being simply power without direction carries out orders without questioning working under the direction of the superconscious, the Christ or God within man. The resurrection of the body would be accomplished. Oof. Man would no longer throw off his body in death. It would be transformed into the body electric, sung by Walt Whitman for Christianity, is founded upon the forgiveness and sins, the forgiveness of sins and an empty tomb. Hmm. I'm going to read that again. Man would no longer throw off his body in death. It would be transformed into the body electric sung by Walt Whitman. For Christianity is founded upon the forgiveness of sins and an empty tomb. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? I mean, you know... Some things I agree with, some things I don't. Sometimes I wonder if I just haven't been as, if I'm not as enlightened as they were. Um, but some things, like I said, some things I agree with, some things I don't. I think it was very um, informative, though, um, especially when it comes to believing <clears throat> and creating the life that you want. Um, it's, it, I always seem to differ when it comes to, uh, you know, God and, and Christ or things like that. So that is the end of chapter five. Uh, stay tuned for chapter six. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you've listened to this chapter, make sure you catch my manifesting in the uh, in the Bible series um, that has already dropped. I think uh, episode four dropped or will drop tomorrow or maybe today I'm very confused <laughs> I think it's supposed to drop today so um, make sure you guys take a, a listen to those um, and, and tell me what you think tell me what you think um, drop down in the comments and let me know what, you, what your thoughts are disagree or agree either way I'd like to have a conversation about it you guys have a good day 
don't forget to make gratitude as a daily um, part of your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Lawanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow us on our new YouTube page at The Gratitude Chick. Make sure to click in our description box for a good deal on starting your own dropshipping business with Shopify.